Yesterday is history. Tomorrow is a mystery, but today is a gift. It is not our abilities that show what we truly are. It is our choices. Hello and welcome to Jen Taylor Rerouting, where being rude is never acceptable, but sarcasm is welcome and swearing isn't always a bad option. Let's get started. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Jen Taylor Rerouting. Thanks for tuning in. If you need more information, just go to jentaylor.net, where I have everything at your disposal from what it's like to live as a mom to 13 kids to my podcast, public speaking, coaching, or purchasing my book. All in one place, jentaylor.net, easy peasy, lemon squeezy. Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming Tim Cruz, who I also have the pleasure of knowing. Tim, how are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. So I met Tim because uh, there was a Facebook ad that I saw, and it was a uh, hot mom's hot mommy makeover. Yeah, a hot mommy makeover. Yeah. And I thought, well, I'm already kind of a hot mommy, but you know, I could use some help. So I signed up for the 28 day. Actually, it was a gift. I got it as a gift. And um, really interesting. We can kind of jump into that first, and then go back since I already brought it up. You. Um, you opened Be Strong Fitness in November of last year, 2016. Yes. So. Yeah. Okay. And you have a, you do little videos on Facebook and sometimes they don't always load for me, but on one of them you were talking about um, the group dynamic. So jump into that because you have a very specific philosophy with this gym. Yeah, yeah. So when my wife and I opened this gym, I'd been running one-on-one um, -on -one training for about five to six years before that. Before that, I was kind of in the strength conditioning world, physical therapy world. Um, but what I noticed was that my group sessions, I was running only a couple of weeks, and, and they were just getting a lot better results. So I started digging into a little bit more of the psychology behind group and this and that. And um, if you look across the board, the people that get the best results physically and also uh, otherwise, but um, physically specifically, your athletes, you know, your Olympians, they all train in groups. And there's this kind of mentality, this kind of, um, I, I believe it actually is to our nature that we're created to be in small groups. And we thrive, especially when we're around people that are like-minded and have similar goals that uh, we can kind of all play off each other. So we decided when we opened this, this business to build it all based off of that small group mentality. So we still do a couple one-on-ones here and there, but um, by and large, we just see so much better uh, results from keeping people in groups and, and literally having them play off of each other's energy, push each other, motivate each other. And um, also, it just makes for a cool environment too, because it's a lot of fun when you've got a, a team of people that are all, you know, for lack of a better term, suffering together and they're busting their butt and sweating, you know, sweating their butt off all together. It makes for a lot better environment. It does. So, yeah, that's kind of why. I, I had a personal trainer and I did fitness competitions about 12 years, 10, 12 years ago. And that I liked a lot of things about having one person really focused and pushing me. And then I've done group classes. Like you go to spin at your gym and I don't like those. And so I didn't know what to expect. I just signed up for the, I liked the, the outreach you were doing and the way you were doing it. And I thought, well, we'll I'll give it a shot, you know, and it's, very different dynamic and predominantly women. Yeah, it definitely is predominantly women. We just started a challenge this Monday that brought in finally some male faces, but um, by and large about 80% females that, that would be coming in. And, and most of the time they're all, you know, they have that same fighting factor, whether or not they're, they're not happy for some reason, they're uncomfortable in their own skin, they wanna lose a little bit of weight. There might be some deeper issues going on, but they have something that, um, for whatever reason is, is their pain point that, that brings them through the door and they find a home with us because we're definitely not that place that judges you for being out of shape. We actually encourage people that are out of shape to come in because they're the people that need to, you know, they need us. Yeah. And there's, I've been, I was in the smallest class was three and the biggest was nine. That was a little tough. Just the nine wise, the nine. Yeah. That five to seven, three was great too, but, um, holy cow, it's fun. And you instantly connect with certain people. I mean, I kept seeing the same people, um, and you kind of just get familiar, which is nice. You're like, Hey, how are you doing? And you know, people are like, Hey, we're so-and-so and we're so-and-so. So they, when I know when you go long enough, there starts to become some accountability and then oh, you find, 
you find those people that you just click with, like Aaron. Aaron for me, oh my God, mm -hmm. that woman just. She's, yeah, she's awesome. Yeah. Yeah, Aaron, Aaron has a really cool story. Yeah, but she's she's one of the people that can, that definitely is like that. She's really, she's soft-spoken, but she can, uh, she holds you accountable in that kind of way, yeah. And swears under her breath. It's really fun. So <laughs> it's, it's a very different, like, crossbreed sort of group setting. And so it's like, for me, it was like having a personal trainer with a bunch of people and you're right, we push each other and it's amazing. Mm -hmm. um, and then you do some nutrition. Is that something that you want to expand on? Yes. Yeah, so we do, we believe it's probably one of the main components to the whole thing. Um, I know for myself growing up and, and we can get into this a little bit later, but um like nutrition was always like a hangup. Like there's so many fad diets that people jump from this one to that one without any real knowledge of like what actually goes on inside the body when you eat something. So we, we make sure to sit down with every single person, whether they sign up with us or not. And we give them the nutrition aspect because our goal um, as a facility is to, is to reduce Reno's obesity percentage by 10%. And obviously we can't do that without a little bit of education. So we want to make sure that we teach moms and dads, how to cook properly, how to make good choices so that they can teach their, uh, their children. And then hopefully, you know, it spreads like a virus kind of like that. Which so, yeah, we put awesome. a huge emphasis on nutrition. So before this, you said you were working for about six years, but you were doing some pretty amazing things in that six years. So, um, and I just want to kind of go through your history. You graduated from UNR about six years ago. And you started your personal training business. You've, you were the Bighorns strength coach. Mm -hmm. For uh, one year, yeah. Right. And you've had uh, Olympic athletes, including Eileen Grinch, who's a fencer. So you've worked with some pretty big names, um, lots of people. And then you kind of streamlined it into this group approach based on what you'd learned. Right. Then and also what I found I was passionate about. So don't get me wrong. It's really cool to work with athletes. That was kind of initially why I got into the field because I just love sports. I played sports growing up um, and I just love training people really hard. But um, by and large, my heart was always pulled towards the person that doesn't necessarily um, want to get a tenth of a second faster on their 40 to the person that has type 2 diabetes that would like to live 10 years longer. So my heart is, was kind of pulled towards that person um, coming from, you know, being an overweight child and, and things like that. Like it just always resonated with me to help the people that um, were like me when I was growing up. Okay. So now that's a great segue. You, you were born in Sacramento, California and mm -hmm. then moved to, is it Alturas? I mean, we moved around a lot, but by the time I started first grade, we were in Alturas, California. Yeah. Okay. Which is a and little, little tiny town north of Susanville. And it was, I mean, it was a little town, so kind of everybody knew everyone. Very much so, yeah. I think the population was like 3,000, maybe a little less. What year were you born? 88. Oh, the year I graduated. How cute is that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a young and I'm 29, yeah. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. So you, how many siblings did you have? Three. Okay, so I had uh, two sisters and one brother. Where, are you, where do you fall in that? So I'm the, I'm the oldest son. So I'm the second. Um, I, will, I have an older sister and a younger brother and sister. So I'm the second in mine. So you're born, you're in this, you're, you're, you said you were raised in a very performance-driven home. Was that more, um, your, dad, your dad had this incredible work ethic. So was that the performance? Big time, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, it was definitely mostly, mostly him. He, um, like, uh, I mean, in his Dad was the same exact way. His mom was the same way. Brothers and sisters were the same way. It was kind of the cruise mentality, if you you know want to classify it as that. that. Everything needs to be better. You know, if like let's, I'll give you an example. Like playing a baseball game, and I went, you know, like three for four the plate, and we talk about why I didn't go four for four, and what could I do different to go four for four. You know, that kind of mentality. So like I was, I was geared from a young age to really like improve upon myself and really find the flaws and try to you know, root those out. So that's not necessarily a bad thing as long as you're not. No, <laughs> no. Okay. So he, he 
uh, was a small business owner. I'm just seeing there's like patterns. You're right. I think it's the cruise mentality maybe, but definitely patterns um, that he took a small business, a sand and gravel company, and, and it ended up being a multiple seven figure business. Yeah. Yeah. So when he bought that business, so it was in the nineties, like early nineties, he bought in and like about 10% of the business and pretty much ran the show and then eventually ended up buying out the majority uh, owner. Um, but he grew that from right around, it was a few hundred thousand dollars total. Um, and now it's multiple hundreds of millions of dollars worth of business. Now they're, they're a local business. Now they're all the West coast. They run out of Montana, Washington, Oregon, California, Nevada, Utah, uh, Arizona. I mean, they're pretty much all the Western United States. So yeah, it's, he definitely blew that company up for sure, but it was all through nothing, but you know, he's smart obviously, but sheer will, determination and a lot of freaking hard work. So yeah. you saw that as an example and you worked for him for about 11 years or so? Yeah, a little over a decade. Yeah. Mind so, you, uh, I was going to school the whole time. So it was like very seasonal. So like I'd go to college during the year and then I'd work throughout the summer months um, on, on the, the company. Yeah. So yeah, not, not a full-time position. It was only seasonal. And then you were kind of inspired to follow in his footsteps. You had a really good relationship with your dad and he had a really fantastic work ethic. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it, it was, it was, it was a good relationship as, as good as it could be with uh, the main, I don't know, my main context of it being centered around work and performance. Um, only over the last like few years that we developed the other part of the relationship, which is more like the father son part of the relationship. But you know, we didn't fight or anything like that. You know, there was some discipline that went on, but what stupid kid doesn't need some discipline every once in a while? Um, all my fault. But yeah, we had a decent relationship as far as that goes. What about your mom? Um, she was very involved in, in all, all of our lives. So she was, um, she did help my dad a lot in the company, but for the most part, she was the one that was responsible for raising us kids, you know, cooking dinner, making sure the house was kept, all that stuff. Um, so she was always around for sure. Yeah. So your parents were in good shape, you said, growing up. Were they athletic or lucky? Um, yeah, well, athletic might be, <laughs> my dad was very skilled. We'll say that he's very coordinated, but, um, he always did things a little bit goofy, but he always got the results. So he didn't have what, what I would call that God-given talent where they just, you know, you can see him run or swing a baseball bat or shoot a basketball and just looks like God graced them with that skill. He always looked like it was a little awkward, but he always was really good. So he always did really well. So yeah, he, he was good, but I wouldn't say that he was very athletic. Yeah. Okay. Goofy and got the job done. Yeah. But yeah, through sheer will and hard work, I'm pretty sure that's another yeah, tenant to that. <laughs> Okay, and your three siblings, everybody was in decent shape, your family, and I don't like to word, use the word diet like you're being punished. Diet's just what you're eating. So my diet's pretty healthy. Other people's diet is less healthy. What was that like growing up for you? Yeah, so like I was definitely the prototypical chubby kid out of the family. My my little brother and sister were were stick figures. They had like abs all the way till the time they were like 13 years old. My older sister was, you know, she was petite. She wasn't super skinny like they were. But, um, yeah, I was the, the kid that by the time I graduated high school, was like 260 pounds and not a, not a good kind of 260. I was just a pretty big kid. And I had a huge appetite, always uh, out-eat everybody, and I loved to prove it. And uh, I was also the one that played all the sports. No one else really played all the sports. It was me. I was the three-, four-sport athlete. But it was because I love sports, but I also – didn't really care too much about nutrition. I'll give you an example. My senior year, my go-to breakfast, and this is going to sound really terrible, I'd stop by the gas station on the way to school, and I'd get an apple fritter and a big 32-ounce Mountain Dew Code Red. That was like my go-to, like sugar insulin bomb right off the bat. And then oh. I wouldn't eat again until dinner, and I'd probably eat whatever was cooked for dinner. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. That's so gross. <laughs> oh, I know. So much sugar. Yeah. I mean, yeah, and that was like at least five days a week. That was that was what I was doing. Okay, so you didn't have a good diet, despite mom cooking. <laughs> <laughs> we'll say that. We'll say I didn't have a good diet. Yeah. We'll say that. And then you were wrestling, football, baseball. You were you were mm -hmm. you're right, like three or four sports all the time. Yeah, all the time. Yeah, I was always playing sports. 
And then I also, I got into lifting when I was like a freshman or sophomore in high school. So even during the seasons, I would be going to practice and then I'd turn around and go right to the gym afterwards and, you know, make sure to get my, my lifts in afterwards too. So I was, I was very active. I'm, I'm actually shocked that I could still gain so much weight because I was burning a lot of calories too. Um, and I'm kind of thinking about that now because by the end of your senior year, you were 260 and you said you had a body fat of 22. I mean, I'm a 46 year old female and I have a lower body fat than that. Yeah. Yeah. 22 for all the listeners. That's not a good body fat for a male, especially at 18 years of age. Uh, yeah. like given right now, I'm probably around 11, 11 and a half is probably where I'm at right now. And I'm estimating what I was in high school, but it was not good. I was soft for sure. Yeah. I and saw then a picture. I definitely had to do. What's that? I saw a picture. Oh, yeah, I'm sure you did. Yeah, there, it's, on, it's, it's floating around the, the world somewhere. I need to put a side-by-side of what it looks like now. Actually, that would be awesome just to see. It would be good. It would be interesting to see the progression just because, well, I mean, you're the guy running the gym. It's not, you can tell the story, and it's, you're always very relatable and warm. But, I mean, you, you can really relate. Like, I can really relate to what you're going Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you try to tell me one person I've trained that eats as bad as I did back then. <laughs> I know what it feels like. <laughs> and that's perfect. So I'm wondering, except your weight, I don't think you were, it wasn't just what you were eating. You weren't eating very consistently either, it sounds like. If you grabbed all that in the morning and nothing till dinner and you were the overachiever training for everything, early to practice, late at practice, kind of busting your ass through everything. Yes, yes, that was definitely me. And it wasn't at my parents. I don't want to paint a picture that they weren't like making sure I ate lunch. They gave me money every week for lunch, but I was very stingy and I would save that money up and I would use it to buy whatever I wanted at the end of the month. Like I would, they give me like $20 a week and I would like roll that, I'd save it up. And I had like $1,000 at the end of the year because I was just being frugal with all my money. You know, <laughs> that was kind of my mentality, like free 20 bucks instead of use it for lunch every day so you can feel your body. So yeah. Wow. You're killing me. Jeez. <laughs> Trust me. I know. I know. When I look back, I'm like, if I only knew what I know now. <laughs> so you're kind of starving yourself and eating unhealthy and you're already yo-yoing. Did your, were your parents ever concerned about your weight as you were growing up? Was that ever addressed? Yeah. I mean, it wasn't too much because, um, like they did see the ups and downs. Um, I went on a few diets when I was young. I remember the first diet I went on, I was like 12 years old. I went on the Atkins diet. So I don't know if you remember that when it first came around and I lost like 40 pounds on the Atkins diet in like a month. It was like ridiculously fast. But meanwhile, I'm playing, I think I was wrestling at the time. It is not a nutrition plan for a wrestler because so much metabolic demand. I felt like, like I was, had no gas in the tank ever. I was always tired. Didn't have any energy, but I was dropping weight. So it was, that was all that mattered to me. And I remember when I came off of that, summer came around, I came off of the diet and I gained every pound of that back really quickly um, and probably a little bit more. So then, of course, the natural habit, and I see this a lot with my, my clients, is you jump right back on the same diet that, give you, that gave you the results in the first place. Not trying to address why did you, why did you fail and why did you put it back on, which really that was because it wasn't a good diet. That's why I failed. And I'm not saying anything against the Atkins. It just is, I don't believe it's a long-term solution to anything. Any kind of dogmatic approach, I don't believe, is a long-term solution. I think most of what's out there is not a good long-term solution. Amen. Yeah. Yeah. Any of these gimmicky diets are, yeah, they're meant for short stints, not for five, ten years. And sometimes, tell me how you feel about this. So I had a friend who um, was heavy and ran, and she just could not lose the weight. And she went to a special doctor who put her on some pill to kind of jumpstart her metabolism. So she went on it and then started, I mean, pretty immediately started to wean off of the dose of whatever it was a few years ago. What it did do is it did jumpstart her metabolism and then she kind of had to take over with it. Um, and I thought that was super interesting and it was under doctor's supervision and I feel like that's almost as gimmicky. Yeah, and that kind of does sound, and I can approach it from a couple different ways. Like on one side, some people have that self-limiting belief that they just can't lose the weight. Like they've tried over and over and over again, and they've tried this, that pill, this pill. And given if you can break that, that barrier and actually get some results, I can see the benefit to that. But I don't really know. I don't, first, I don't know what, what, what drug they were prescribing. 
to me, I think that if it takes a pill and, I, and I've taken all the pills, I've taken all the, all the weight loss drugs. If it takes a supplement and I've taken all the supplements, then that's not a sustainable method. Like you have to figure out how to eat and live to, to lose the weight because at some, some point you're not going to take those pills anymore. You're going to have to maintain it. So that's to me a recipe for a yo-yo and that's how I feel about that. But I do understand that it could take a little bump to get the motivation rolling. And that's, I think, more what it was. I mean, it could have been sugar. It could have been a placebo. It doesn't really matter. Same thing with the Atkins or anything. When you start something and you see a result, it gets you excited to have more of a result. So I, I'm always torn when people tell me about anything that they're doing. Because I mm -hmm. think, well, I mean, in some ways it's not bad because maybe it, it gives you the jump start that you sort of need. And in other ways, right. it traditionally is a yo-yo. So, and you, you can make the argument that it, it creates an addiction to whatever that pill is. Like if you remember just a few years ago, HCG was the big, the big thing. Women all across the nation, my mom was one of them, um, were getting these injections of human gonadotropin or whatever it's called, um, which is a pregnancy hormone that essentially stimulates your metabolism and, and creates you know, massive weight loss. But they're telling you, you got to follow this 500 calorie diet, you can't work out because I mean, it's super restrictive and everybody lost a bunch of weight. And I'm sitting there scratching my head like, of course you lost the weight. They restricted your calories of 500 calories per day and everybody gained the weight back. But everybody went back on the HCG at who knows, $300 a bottle is what this stuff cost. They're just in it to, I think, create that link of that psychological addiction to whatever their supplement is so that you, you keep coming back. And every time you come back, you're not going to get the same results, but you're going to make them a little bit more money. So that's kind of the sad truth behind a lot of the supplement um, games that are being played right now. Absolutely. So you're in high school. You've, you have dieted. You've gone on different, the Atkins and stuff. You're kind of yo-yoing and you went to Montana state. Mm -hmm. Did you go on a baseball scholarship or were you just on the team? I didn't. I walked on. So yeah. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I walked on. I didn't even know when I got there. That wasn't why I went there. I just I remember seeing a flyer and I was like, I love baseball. Let me try. And I walked on. So, yeah. That's awesome. So that's kind of and I always it's so hard with kids, you know, when you have them or you're looking at kids at a younger age like this too shall pass because going to college is a different world. Completely. Yeah. So start, tell me about what was happening in college with the workouts and the practices and all that. So probably more or less a continuation of what was going on in high school, I would say. Specifically the first year. I know that um, my freshman year, I really wasn't ha happy with, because um, like I was playing football in high school, and there's always a justification to be big when you're playing football. One, the coach is telling you, you got to be bigger. So you're eating a lot to get bigger. In baseball, there's no justification to get bigger. It just makes you slower. You can't swing the bat as fast. And I was a pitcher, so I didn't have the mobility. So I was like, all right, I'm going to lose lose some weight. So, And this might be the most extreme thing that I've, I've done. Well, one of them. We'll say one of them. Um, I would literally – I was following an Atkins-type diet, which, like I said, you come back to the thing that you saw results with first. But I also believe this internet myth that you shouldn't eat after, like, 6 p.m. So – I'd get up, we had two a day practices. We would have our, you know, our normal practice sometime during the day. And then later in the afternoon, we'd have, um, you know, our, our batting practice. Since I was a pitcher, we didn't bat. We just worked pitching. Um, I would throw on, additionally, I would throw on a, a weight session too early in the morning. So like four or 5 a.m. in the morning, I'd do get up, I'd do my weights. Normally I had my first class around eight o'clock in the morning. So I knocked those out, wouldn't eat breakfast, go to class. And then I'd come home and I'd have like a little bit of eggs or something like that. And then some, um, maybe some salad later in the day with some beef on it. And then that would be all I, I, I was literally eating probably less than 600 calories per day if I was lucky. And I dropped from around that 260 mark. The smallest I got at that point was I got, I broke the 200 barrier. I was like 195, 200 pounds. And I felt really good, but I was really, really hungry all the time. So um, lo and behold, after the season was done, I moved home, went to work again, and I gained not all of it back, but I got back up to around 250 again. So that was what happened during that year of college. And then shortly after, 
I, uh, I decided to transfer to Chico. I went down to move to Chico, went to college there. And um, I really got into bodybuilding, which I learned a lot from it, but it was, it's, I'll just say it right now. It's, it's a really harsh sport. Like you have to be really genetically gifted. You have to be pretty much have nothing else going on in your life if you want to be really good at it. Um, and so I was doing like, I, I was working full time, going to school full time and I was getting ready for my first show. And so again, I went back to the Atkins diet cause I knew I could lose weight and I dropped all the way down. It was in the 175, like right around mid 170s for me, which that's really small for me. I think sixth grade was probably the last time I was a buck 75. Um, and I was on the treadmill and I was, you know, sweating away, you know, four o'clock in the morning, one of my first workouts and the coach, the owner of that gym, who also just happened to be the strength conditioning coach, the exercise physiology teacher at, um, professor at Chico state. He came up to me and told me that I look really sick and it looked like I didn't know what I was doing. Like I need a little bit of help. So it kind of shocked me. Like I'm here busting my butt. I'm working really hard. Are you tell me that that's not enough. And so he's like, come to my office tomorrow. We'll meet. I'll, I'll write out a nutrition plan for you. He's like, don't worry. It's free. I just want to help you. You look like you're going to hurt yourself. So I came in and he showed me kind of just the brace, basic uh, macronutrient breakdown, probably very much in line with like what the FDA recommended. It was very high in carbohydrates, low in fat, you know, moderate in protein. And within just like two or three weeks of following that, because that's how I was. I, if someone gave me a plan and I trusted them, I believed them, I followed it to the T. I did it, everything, and in, in above and beyond. It's just kind of my mentality. So when he gave me the plan, I followed it to the T. And I gained about six, seven pounds, but I dropped a significant amount of body fat. And I felt like I, felt like I was on drugs. I felt like I had so much energy. My strength was going through the roof. And I was like, wow, this is really cool. So then I started learning about nutrition. I'm like, that is awesome. This guy, just by spending like 45 minutes to an hour with me, like completely course corrected my, my path that I was on. I was feeling terrible. I, I was going up and down and he, this guy stepped in and, you know, here, here I am. Like, I feel great now. I want to, I want to, I want to do that for other people. So I, I changed my major. I got into the exercise physiology realm. I started um, pursuing that instead of which initially I was pursuing engineering. So I, I decided to completely change my course of my, my career path in life. So that's, that's kind of where that all came from was, was just that one little interaction. So that's where my heart is towards these people that we work with is that 45 minutes can make a difference in someone's life. Absolutely. Even less than that. And it's just taking the time to let them know that they're important and that you get it. So yeah. someone gave that to you and it, I mean, you were always sports and fitness oriented. You were just diet screwed up. <laughs> Illiterate. Yeah. Is what Illiterate. I was. Yeah. Yeah. You were a yeah. rat. So you actually were eating more and you were eating carbs. Oh, a lot more. Right. I was probably eating, you know, before he met with me, I was all about no carbs. I don't know why that was like drilled in my head other than it worked for me in the past. Um, but I was definitely sub 1200, maybe sub 1500 calories. And when I started working with him, it was like, I was at least 2,500, if not 3000, but for a 21 year old male, which I was like 20, 21 years old at the time, that's still fairly low calorie. Like most males burn through calories really quickly. And I was still a big boy. I still had, you know, a decent amount of muscle mass on my body. And, you know, after, after working with him, I've, I've slowly started to learn nutrition and other approaches and that still wasn't the optimal approach for me, but um, it still was better than what the heck I was doing at the time. Yeah. And it got you on a completely different path, which is, I mean, I'm all about, we can make a, an enormous, significant difference in someone else's life with just a few minutes of being ourselves. Yeah. Being real. Yeah. No one wants to see, well, I mean, you all want to know that, that your trainer works out. It's like going to a dentist. You don't want to go to the dentist with jacked up teeth. Like that's just, that's bad business. But at the same time, you want some relatability. If you're overweight, you're struggling. It's very nice to be like, oh, this guy gets it. He's went through it. He knows what it's like on the other end of the spectrum. He's made all the mistakes to get to where he's at now. So it's, it's easier to relate to that person and trust the advice that you get from someone who's been there. And that wasn't just, you know, God's gift to humanity with the six pack abs and, you know, tan skin and could eat Oreos and drink whole milk all day long and still look great. You know, that's, that's the worst person to take advice from. They don't know. I don't like that person at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, so what I love though, is like the complete, well, you rerouted, which is kind of what this show is about. And 
you wanted to focus everything. Like this person did so much for you. You thought, well, if I'm screwing it up, not intentionally, I'm just making mistakes because I don't know any better. How many other people are out there doing the exact same thing, feeling the mm -hmm. exact same way, frustrated and suck and sick and miserable and unhappy and not making any progress. And so you, you changed everything. Yeah. Complete pivot. Yeah. Going one way and all of a sudden I pivoted and went the other way. So yeah, it was definitely a defining moment in, in my career path for sure. So you, you majored in exercise physiology and sports medicine and you were, you're very, very driven. I, and I think maybe that's that cruise mentality you're talking about, but most likely <laughs> in sports and all of that stuff, you really threw yourself into this. You wanted to know everything you could and you call it the demon that you dealt with for so many years. So did it feel like you had the demon under control or you shook hands with the demon or what was that like? I mean, that could, that Tim, that had to have been huge. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and to be honest, anybody who has dealt with weight issues their entire life um, knows that that demon never goes away. So it's, it's the same, it's the same thing with just, it's an insecurity, right? You, you lose weight, but for so many years you've been struggling with that, that a lot of your defining, you know, you know, the way you define yourself has to do with that. So there's no shaking hands with it. There's just learning to live within. And I've went to the extremes. Like I've competed in four or five bodybuilding shows, gotten down to sub 4% body fat, um, you know, and been able to maintain relatively lean levels of body fat for a long time. But that fat kid's always still inside. Um, whether I have abs or, you know, like right now, I'm not quite at that level, but I, you know, it's not a matter of, you know, being lean, it's a matter of what you're, it's like, it's like a psychological thing where you identify with a certain um, body type. It, it might be called body dysmorphia or uh, bigorexia is another term for, for males where they have trouble seeing themselves as they truly are. And I believe that comes from like the past. So it's a constant struggle. And I imagine it'll go until the day you die. It's just a matter of the more education you have, for me, the more I'm consistent and I'm living true with my purpose the more I can feel good at night when I go to bed about who I am and what I look like. So that's what I would say to other people that struggle with that same demon, because it really is a demon. That's, that's why I use those words because it, it literally is a demon and it's something that you never make peace with. Which is tough to swallow, but it's great that you can live alongside it, I guess. So you decided to move to Reno and go to university of Nevada, Reno, UNR. I have a UNR hat right behind me. <laughs> See that? Uh, woo, go pack. So <laughs> what what made the switch? I mean, I know you're Sacramento is only two hours away. Um, you were only like three and a half hours away. Chico's a few hours away. We're all kind of a, a sort of an extension of a bigger community, I guess. But what brought you to Reno and UNR? So um, short answer, so I could get done with school. Chico was not a place where, I mean, it gets a bad rap. It's gotten better, but like, for instance, my last semester there, and I was working a lot and I was gone a lot because I was a student athletic trainer for Butte College, going to school full time, working, and then also training. Um, but we lived in a complex called the Zoo, which was downtown Chico on one of the Chico streets, which everybody knows that they've been there. All the Chico streets are where the parties happen. And literally people would just walk in and out of your house. And uh, like if there was a party going on or not, they would just come in, people you don't even know, and just bring drugs, uh, booze, like they're just randomly all hours of the night. And it was just kind of the way it was there. So I had a really cool opportunity that uh, summer I got offered to go work in Yosemite National Park. And so I, I moved from Chico, which I like Chico, don't get me wrong. But I moved from Chico to Glacier Point, which is right in the middle of Yosemite. We worked there. We paved those roads. Um, and at the end of the summer, I just didn't want to leave. I loved it there. I loved it there. I, was, I had a you know, great community of people I was around. I didn't want to go back to the party scene. It was finally quiet. You know, it was awesome. And so I started reevaluating my life. I stayed out of school for another semester. I started thinking, like, okay, where would be a better place um, to call home. And it's ironic because growing up, I said, I'd never live in Reno. I don't, you know, it's a nice place to visit, but I'd never end up there. 
And sure enough, I ended up going to, to Reno. And probably because I procrastinated and didn't apply for the other schools quick enough. But um, Reno takes people pretty much year round. You don't have to have a great GPA. <laughs> just They take you. I'm not saying that I didn't have a great GPA, but they, they basically take warm bodies there. So um, I, I ended up going. And it was probably the best decision I, I, uh, I met, I made. So the very first day, second day I lived in Reno, I moved in the first day. Second day I met my wife. She was there literally the second day I met her out. My friend drugged me out because we've been packing and unpacking all day long. Her friend, it was her friend's birthday. She pulled her out and we ended up meeting at the very first place that we went. So that was kind of, you know, a sign from God that that was, that was the right decision to go to Reno. That was so my I don't question. I don't regret it at all. No. <laughs> well, you can't say that anyway. Alexandria <laughs> <laughs> here. <laughs> so that's when you met her. That was the next thing. Where is was she? Yes. From, you know? Yeah. So she's a uh, native to Fernley. So she she grew oh. up in Fernley, okay. and she was actually going to UNR at the same time. Um, so yeah, she she was studying community or sorry, uh, it's a psychology degree of of educating. I, I'm trying to think of the actual name, but it's a. Uh, youth psychology think of like developmental youth psychology is what it is she wanted to become a counselor she was with a program called casa when i met her so she would she would work along the courts with these these disenfranchised children she was working at um chevy's and at american eagle so she was like super busy at the same time so it really was like a god thing that we met that night because we all had like a million things going on in, a di in all different directions so it was yeah really a god thing that we met that same night so how did she shift gears or did she shift gears when you guys met and you had this passion? I think it was a little bit of a, um, a little bit of a pain point at first because I definitely am a very obsessive type personality. Like you said, um, I go all in to whatever I'm doing. I don't really, I don't know if I don't believe in balance, but I don't ex exercise it very well. Um, so when we first met, I was prepping for uh, my second bodybuilding show. And I had hired a coach here in Reno and I was working out like, I kid you not, seven days a week, at least three hours, but up to six hours a day. I was working out. Yeah. And, and mind you, I, I got in great shape and I competed in the, it's called the MPC Nevada state, um, as a, as an open competitor, light heavyweight. And I did well. And she supported me the entire way through a lot of our relationship was built off of her doing cardio with me first thing in the morning on an empty stomach, we just talk while we were, you know, stepping on the step mill or whatever, or we do a lot of walks outside, like go hiking in the hills. Cause I got bored of the treadmill. So we'd go outside cause we have hills here. And so a lot of our relationship was built off of that, but definitely created a, um, a scenario where I wouldn't say she was for it in the beginning. And, and, and I really was for the whole bodybuilding thing. And then as time went on, I definitely migrated to her side where could see how obsessive and how life controlling that was and how um it you know it was part of my life as part of my journey it was part of what taught me so much but it was not it's i wouldn't recommend it to people that want to get down that route it's not healthy and say that no and i've done it too and i really enjoyed the fitness competitions in some ways i like saying well you're here and you want to get here and this is kind of your time frame because it broke mm -hmm. it up for me in goal-oriented kind of chunks but yeah. But it, first of all, it was incredibly, like you said, the time commitment is huge. And then also the money commitment is huge. And That's really big. And then on top of that, it's just, I couldn't maintain eating that way either. It was kind of, it was ridiculous, you know, just the level of commitment and dedication. So yeah, I, I, yeah, I completely agree with you. It is good good to set goals and to have a time frame to achieve those goals in. And you will push yourself, especially if you know someone's going to see you in a little banana hammock, you're going to push yourself harder than you ever pushed yourself before. So uh, in that regard, I loved it. And I love the body transformation part process. I still do. I still do little like, I, you know, I'll diet down and I'll try to get as lean as I possibly can just because I think it's, it's fun. But um, the whole like self critiquing, like you're going on stage, you have five judges that are telling you what's wrong with you mm -hmm. after you worked your butt off for 12, 12 to 20 weeks um, and talk getting back to kind of that demon thing that doesn't reinforce your, your relationship with that demon that, that re that makes the demon stronger because now you're, you're getting really nitpicky about yourself. And so for me, um, I, I definitely agree with the whole process 
as far as body transformation goes. But as far as the lifestyle, same thing. I can't see how someone would follow that for a long period of time. If they do, it's because they have God-given genetics and they don't have to work very hard to get lean. And those are the people I think you see in the magazines that they're, you know, they only diet for two to three weeks a year. And that's because, you know, they can just maintain it the rest of the year, eating whatever they want. So, yeah. I always said if I had enough money to have my own cook and fitness instructor that like lived on the premises with me, I could I'd probably be no problem to do it. You know, if I was in movies and it was my job to look that way and I had that support and otherwise I think at a certain point there's a place that's unrealistic and you have to, it's different for all of us. Mm-hmm. Um, but you have to kind of figure out where you're realistic is and stay within that and sometimes maybe you'll go one way or the other i mean i've i've been pregnant and had kids so you know i mean i was out of shape after i had a baby it was probably pretty normal um but yeah. you, know, you, ha- you just and then you get back to it and you kind of stay in that normal zone i think but the extremes are never good and you can speak to that because you've seen the extremes yeah i've been at both ends yeah <laughs> i completely agree so um how much i want to ask you what was the average cost of your show? Oh my gosh. I don't remember. I always want to know what, what females pay too. Cause I know what I paid. I don't remember. Kind of a gut how check. Much show. It was a, yeah, it was a lot. I don't remember. It was more that I have kids. So I was menu planning and cooking for my kids and they didn't need to be, nor that should they have been on the restricted diet I was. So I was cooking two separate things. I was shopping for two separate things there were a lot of supplement things going on. It was like everything. The personal trainer was a cost. Um, the the suit that you have to wear that's super specific is like $200. <laughs> it was everything, Tim. It was everything. Yeah. I don't even remember. It, it absolutely – I mean, I guess you could say, well, if it's your lifestyle, then it's fine. If that's just the lifestyle you live. But I don't know how you could possibly maintain it financially and just – I got burnt out. I wanted to have a freaking beer. I wanted to have like a piece of pizza. I wanted to feel, have moments of normalcy, you know, where right. I was carrying around my little containers of food everywhere I went. Cause if I came to your house for dinner, I was going to heat mine up in the microwave. I wasn't going to eat what you cooked. Yeah, so I was the same way. I don't remember specifically the show costs, but it was, it was just everything. It was everything. Yeah. And that's what I was more getting at was like the totality of the prep like what it costs like I did I did the math on one of them and it was like north of like five grand um and 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 that's not even super high like I've talked to some competitors when they throw in like you know drugs and things like that supplements stuff like that they can get north of 10 grand for a show easily and we're talking about local shows with a ten dollar trophy as the award and five seconds of fame that's that's what we're talking about you're not feeding your kids off of you know, off of winning these dang things. So I, I agree that, you know, if you're a, a model, you know, an actor, actress, and you're getting paid, your livelihood depends on you living that way, by all means, you know, do what you got to do. But for me, and for most people, like, that's not keeping the lights on in the house. That's, uh, it's maybe turning the lights off in the house. Yeah, because yeah, it was getting way too expensive. You definitely lose money on it. And, um, you know, for people who are interested in doing it, I mean, I had had a hysterectomy. And I went through a really, it was a very traumatic, the whole thing was traumatic. And for me, I, that part of my life was over of, of having kids and stuff. And I was only 33 and I wanted to get my body back and I had no qualms giving it up to have kids, but I wanted it back. And so for me, it felt good to have that kind of singular focus on myself to really get in great shape and I was on stage like seven or eight months after I'd had a hysterectomy. Which is super cool. Which is super cool. And yeah. for me at the time, it was really, it was a very positive driving force. And I got to put a lot of energy and a lot of frustration. You know, people that come in work out who are having a bad day and things, there's a breakup and, you know, you hear all that. We all have life going on. And sometimes throwing yourself into being physical isn't necessarily a bad thing. And it wasn't. I wasn't doing anything in an unhealthy way, just in, not in a long-term manageable way. So it was a great chunk of time that I look back on with fondness, but there's no freaking way I'd ever do it again. (laughs) (laughs) 
I do think that sometimes though it takes that life changing, like, you know, like uh, one of the main things I struggle with, with some of our, our members is their moms. So they, and the nature of being a mom is you're always last. And, you know, when it comes to cooking, when it comes to getting your, your hour to work out and your 45 minutes to work out in, like you're always putting yourself behind uh, everybody else, your husband, your kids, you know, your job, everything. So I, I always try to flip that on, on its ear and, and kind of like with you is like, you need this, like you need to be, you know, put yourself first for a little bit because you're going to be a better mom. You're going to be a better spouse. You're going to be a better human being on this earth when you take care of your health and the way that you feel about yourself, everybody knows a confident person who feels good in their own skin is, is definitely going to treat people differently than someone who's insecure and, and not feeling good about themselves or has bad energy or low blood sugar. I mean, that's the worst thing, low blood sugar. You have someone who has high and low blood sugar, they can be really unpredictable to deal with. So I, I try to flip that on here. So I think it's good when, you know, every once in a while to, to take your control of your body and actually be a little selfish and, and, you know, give that hour to yourself that day. And, and really focus on you and you alone. And gosh, it's such a stress relief. The rest of the world just kind of fades away for that 45 minutes to an hour. You don't think about your problems. And it's kind of a form of therapy too. So um, I think that's really cool that you did that, that you went from, you know, having and then eight months later stepping on stage because I know what it takes to get on stage. It's not like, hey, eat clean for 10 weeks. It's like you have to bust your ass for a while and be consistent. And, and then, you know, you're not stepping up there if you don't feel ready. So you had to be ready to get up there. I was, and you know, this is a huge part of my coaching too, which completely aligns with what you do is that self-care shouldn't be on Mother's Day. It shouldn't be a coupon book for hugs for my kids. And that's my self-care or a spa treatment once a year. And, and I'm not saying that I can afford to do a spa treatment once a week. There's an affordability issue that comes into taking care of yourself, but it shouldn't be a special occasion for anyone, male or female, to take care of themselves. And if that means an hour at the gym or a pedicure or whatever, whatever that means, that I can give mm -hmm. a list of low to no cost ways to do self-care. And you're right. We deserve it. And we're better for it. And so uh, amen. It, it, that, that's a huge frustration with me that people just don't take, take an hour for yourself. You're, no one's going to miss you that hour, especially if you're a grouch. <laughs> we, we want yeah. you to go away. And because I've been a runner for so many years, my kids will say, Hey mom, why don't you go for a run? And I'm like, <laughs> was I being rude? <laughs> Am I obnoxious? Go get out of here. <laughs> yeah. But you know what? My kids grew up knowing that I may not be bad, but I will be better if I just take a minute for myself. So yeah. Yeah. Your, your core values in uh, Be Strong Fitness, other than you, your goal is amazing to reduce the rate of obesity in Reno by 10%, which is about 50,000 people. 50,000. Yeah. That's a lot. That's a big, we set lofty goals. I'm, I'm not it. one to set small goals. Um, we definitely are, uh, we have a big vision and, and we, we see that, you know, Reno's obesity percentage based off of the CDC stats is right around 31%. So um, to me, that's just, it's really it kind of breaks my heart. It's sad. It breaks my heart because I know what goes along with, you know, that's a stat, but every one of those 50,000 people is a person that has a family that has a story that has, you know, I don't know, they cry themselves to sleep at night. They can't find anything to wear. They have to take medication for their diabetes or it all is. It's so easy to just cop it up to stats um, but forget that each one of those numbers is a person with a story. And so knowing what I know, going through what I went through, having family members that have had health issues, um, and, and friends that have had health issues, like knowing what I know, it really sets us up. So we, we want to change that by 10%, which comes down to about 50,000 people. Um, obviously we can't train 50,000 people. You've been to our facility. It's about 5,000 square foot. We don't have enough square feet to train 50,000 people, but we are planning on opening up more locations um, as we grow, but it's all going to happen through a culture change. So a community culture change. And that's kind of the side um, play that we are doing with this whole community culture, like group training environment too. So we also do group outings, you know, four times a year, every other month or so we do things that we try to get us involved in the community, not just our little holy huddle in the, in the gym. Um, but we want to take the time to educate these people, spend time, build relationships with these people, whether it's me or my coaches. We only hire people that 
you know, you've met some of my coaches, but we, we hire nice people. We hire generally hire people based off of personality, not just if they're a badass trainer or not. Uh, but I want everybody to feel like they're more than just a number at our facility. We want to take the time to teach them so that they can teach another person. We jokingly say we want to work ourselves out of a job. We want to make you so self-empowered that you don't need us anymore, but you come to us anyway because you love us. That's our goal. So that's the only way that we're going to reach 50,000 people. Um, and then obviously on the internet, it's really going to help too, you know, doing our, our videos and podcasts like this and things like that. So, yeah. And your core values are serve with purpose, over deliver results, motivate, educate, and inspire. Yes. So really like, simple, but you know, I believe having good core values when you, when you start a business will really help um, when you go to make decisions, you know, cause in, in the business world, there's a lot of opportunity and a lot of those opportunities are the wrong opportunities. So whether we're hiring an employee, whether we're co-venturing with another company, um, we kind of put it through that litmus test of what our core values, does it line up? And if it lines up, we go for it. If it doesn't, you know, we, we, uh, we kind of kick it to the curb. Same with the way that we approach every single day. It's kind of a mantra more than anything. Like, are we going to serve with purpose? Are we going to deliver results? We say there's, we have a sign up in our gym is no bad days. And that's not for you guys. That's for us. We, you know, our clients depend on us. They depend on us to be in there, deliver, deliver, deliver. They don't want to hear about our problems. They don't want to hear about our personal garbage. They got that stuff going on themselves. We're supposed to be a beacon of light to encourage them, whether nothing else good happened that day. Where at least we can be that shiny moment where they came in, they felt better about themselves, they got some good encouragement, and they got a kick-ass workout, and then at least that's their highlight for the day. So that's kind of the way we approach it. We check the ego at the door, and you're there to serve. That's what you're there for. Well, it shows because I've been there. So take a take a look online at Be Strong Fitness on Facebook. And you can also do a search for Tim Cruz. I have all the information in my show notes, so you can get a hold of me to get a hold of him. Uh, whatever is the easiest. And Tim, thank you for your time. I really appreciate it. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me on. Thank you so much for listening in to Jen Taylor Rerouting. Like, share, and of course, comment. I welcome input with attitude. Get a copy of my book on Amazon, Hello, My Name is Warrior Princess, or check out my website, jentaylor.net. And if you still want more, sign up for one of my coaching packages.